Welcome to Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national stories focusing on news, politics, and current events. Now, the latest edition of Update One. Welcome to Update One. I'm Viola Ganger, a member of the National Press Club's podcast team. Today, I'm speaking with Anne Ferris Rosen, an award-winning freelance journalist, about the memoir her father wrote with her help before he passed away last year at the age of 93. The book is entitled Deep South Dispatch, Memoir of a Civil Rights Journalist, and it was published in April this year. It traces the professional and personal journey of New York Times correspondent John Herbers, who was born to a white family in the segregated South, served in World War II, and then covered the civil rights movement. He started his journalism career at the Morning Star in Greenwood, Mississippi, then went on to work for the Daily News in Jackson, Mississippi, the United Press Wire Service, which became UPI, and then the New York Times. He chronicled landmark events such as the 1955 trial for the murder of Emmett Till, the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and the death of four black girls in a 1963 bombing of a church in Birmingham, Alabama. Former New York Times managing editor Gene Roberts wrote the foreword to the book. He succeeded Herbers as the newspaper's southern correspondent, and in the foreword he extols his late colleague's brilliance and acumen. Roberts said few reporters had more exposure to Martin Luther King than Herbers, and he writes that the book, quote, could not be more timely as the nation now witnesses another period of racial upheaval, unquote. Anne is an accomplished journalist in her own right, having worked for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Pew Research Center. She's an adjunct professor at the University of Maryland's Philip Merrill College of Journalism. Anne, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. I'd like to talk to you about your father and the book, of course, but with a particular emphasis on his life as a journalist during that incredibly tense era and the lessons we can draw for how American journalists can navigate our turbulent times today. And you and I have uh, some Tennessee connections in common. I grew up there, though on the other end of the state from where your father was born outside of Memphis. Tell us a little bit about his upbringing in relation to the beat that he covered later, the civil rights movement. Yes, his father owned unsuccessful mercantile stores, and so they moved from one small town to another uh, throughout Tennessee during the Great Depression. This small town life created a cocoon of protection and security for him to grow up with a lot of independence and optimism. But it was a strictly segregated society where his church, teachers and family taught him that whites were superior to blacks even though they interacted with them on a regular basis. So like the rest of society, he never questioned these norms growing up. What prompted him to go into journalism? I guess this was after he came back from World War II. Right, and I think what really did open his eyes and eventually led him to journalism was leaving home right after, fight, uh, right after high school to fight in the Philippines in World War II. Uh, the travesties of war taught him about the reality of death in a larger world. 
but it also for afforded him some advantages. During the downtime on some of the ships where he was serving, he read a lot and he discovered the joys of learning. And then when he returned to the United States, he was able to go to college on the GI Bill, which would not have been possible for his poor family otherwise. Um, his attempts at being a novelist were not very bright, uh, so he pursued what he called the poor cousin of the literary life, which was journalism. He felt uh, journalism was a high calling of public service, and he was attracted to it to be the eyes and ears for people. So in 1949, he went to the Mississippi Delta where the first tremors of this civil rights movement were being felt. So he covered the impact of the Brown versus Board education decision and that impact on Mississippi, which uh, st staunchly rejected it. Um, he covered the execution of a black man named uh, Willie McGee, um, who was charged with um, raping a white woman. His version of the story was that it was a consensual relationship. Um, but that really started to open his eyes to the travesties of racism, particularly in one of the worst states in the nation, which was Mississippi. Um, when he covered the Emmett Till trial, uh, it, he continued in this personal questioning of the, of the mores he had been taught. Um, he was sat through the trial for five days. Uh, an all-white jury uh, considered the guilt of two white defendants who had brutally beaten Emmett Till and killed him after he allegedly wolf-whistled at one of the defendants' wives in a country store. Um, but after, hearing, after my father heard this guilty, not guilty verdict, uh, he drove home to our family. And I'll just read a portion of, from the book. Um, he says, he writes, a few miles outside of Sumner, I felt a nagging tug in the pit of my stomach. I was mentally and physically exhausted, and I was also beginning to see that my long indifference to Southern suppression of blacks was as displaced as the motives of those who enforced the suppression. I hunched over the steering wheel and cried. I couldn't stop crying for many miles. I wanted to cry Mississippi out of my very core. He remained in Mississippi for uh, about an, almost another decade. Um, he was a real vanguard in covering news by and about blacks in the white press when that was not done. It seems rather unbelievable today, but that was the standard. Um, and he met a lot of resistance from the status quo in Mississippi and from the people he was um, reporting for. Um, and, but as the UPI bureau chief uh, in Jackson, he had the authority to dictate these stories, and, and he did so. Wow, it's amazing. Is there a, a quintessential story that he covered that illustrates his outlook on the events of that time and his role as a journalist in that context? Well, I call him the Forrest Gump of journalism because he seemed to have been at every major benchmark, not only within the civil rights movement, but later when he uh, moved to Washington, D.C. Um, and I'll jump ahead and then come back a bit. Um, he, when he moved to Washington, he became the a national correspondent for the New York Times. Uh, he was with Bobby Kennedy when he was shot uh, in California. Uh, he covered the uprisings and riots all over America. He covered Watergate. Uh, he was the White House reporter during both uh, Presidents Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford, and he wrote the historic front page uh, New York Times Nixon resigns articles. 
This book, uh, Deep South Dispatch, only covers the civil rights movement, but even during that period, he covered so many pivotal events. You mentioned some of them, um, but he was also in Philadelphia, Mississippi, when they dredged up the bodies of the three civil rights workers. Um, he was in Selma, and he, ex as you mentioned, ex traveled extensively with Martin Luther King, had a one-on-one -on -one interview with Martin Luther King. He said it was the only time he did not cover uh, King when he wasn't surrounded by a, a, you know, a bevy of AIDS or people who were following him. Uh, and that appeared in the New York Times Magazine uh, piece the day uh, before the Civil Rights Act was uh, signed into law. Wow, incredible. And what was his, what did he, how did he view his role as a journalist? Well, um, he risked his safety and his standing in society among his family and his friends uh, to be covering this story. Uh, not so much, well, well, there was danger within the New York Times, but particularly when he was on his own with UPI in Mississippi. Uh, but I think the most difficult part for him was, was witnessing this repeated violence and, in, and injustice while still maintaining his objectivity. It, it was wrenching, but he knew otherwise that his credibility would be compromised. And he held this very strong moral and religious conviction that his role in life was to bear witness and tell the world. Um, and he struggled on this personal level to reject these accepted mores and, and laws of segregation while still holding tight to his heritage. Uh, and he had to reconcile those conflicting challenges in a changing world. What do you what do you see as the most difficult sort of personally difficult experience that he had as a journalist? Well, um, I think he didn't seem to be uh, fearful of the violence around him and news. No, he he was a southerner and he was a white southerner and he spoke southern and he deliberately dressed in a manner. Uh, that would not uh, target him as either being an FBI agent or, uh, you know, say he called a Yankee reporter, even though he was reporting for the New York Times, um, or even one of the more left-leaning liberal protesters. Um, and so he, he, he was in many times vulnerable and came very close uh, to, to, in, in, uh, to being threatened himself physically threatened. Our family was run out of St. Augustine in the middle of the night uh, by the KKK, who appeared with uh, pickup trucks and guns circling our hotel room and shot into the air. I think they were just trying to scare us, which they did. He packed us up in the car in the middle of the night and drove us back to Atlanta, where we lived. Um, he was uh, saved by a fellow reporter who pulled him back off a curb, up to the curb when a car came ro roaring by and almost struck him. Um, when he was in uh, Marion, Alabama, which was one of the more violent and tragically um, devastating uh, riots there, it was right near Selma, um, Richard Valeriani, uh, his, his um, fellow reporter, television reporter, was struck, was standing right next to him while he was struck on the back of the head, um, you know, ended up in the hospital with six stitches in his head. So he really brushed up right against much violence, um, but never sustained any injuries until he was covering the um, 
Richard Nixon inaugural parade, uh, and there were there were riots then, and he was hit in the head with a rock. So through all of the turmoil he saw, because he was also at the 1968 Democratic Convention during the outbreak of riots there, uh, he and I were tear gassed on the the lawn of the uh, U.S. Capitol building during Vietnam protests he was covering. But the only uh, real injury he withstood or endured was this one rock. So he was oh, and, and how pretty lucky. And how were you when you were on uh, the lawn of the Capitol? Your I was in high school. I was in high school. And he just he, tagging along yeah, to learn he, from Yeah, you know, it, it came over many years because um, he took me to my first KKK uh, rally when I was in second grade in Atlanta. Uh, he took me to a and lot of... he was of covering the, it as yeah, a Yeah, all of these was because mm -hmm. he, was, mm -hmm. he was writing about them. Wow. Um, what do you see as the key lessons for our time today that we can draw from your father and his experience during the civil rights era? Well, I like to quote, quote John, James Baldwin when I talk about the, the passage of time, you know, what he writes about was 50 years ago. Um, James Baldwin said, history is not the past, it is the present. We carry our history with us, we are about our history. And so much of this book resonates today, and the lessons and experience are even in some ways more pertinent today. Um, and and he, he wrote about his role as a journalist. My job was to remain objective and report the facts. To do otherwise would compromise my credibility and the exacting standards of a newspaper that prided itself on factual reporting so that readers could reach their own conclusions. People asked me how I could watch the atrocities during the civil rights movement without taking a more vocal position. I believe that a good reporter is an observer who stands in the corner absorbing as much as he can to be seen, to be heard or seen, but never become partisan. And I think that's a lesson that, you know, particularly today can be upheld. Um, Deep South Dispatch should be required reading for journalism colleges around the country. Not to put, give too much of a plug, but there are some great lessons about, uh, you know, the, the quality of journalism, the value of good journalism. Yes, indeed, and it's a beautifully written book. Thank you so much. So many familiar issues um, for journalists to grapple with today. Thank you very much for helping us learn from your father and from that past and that important time. Our guest has been Anne Ferris Rosen, who helped her late father, the New York Times correspondent John Herbers, complete a memoir of his work covering America's civil rights movement. We've been discussing the lessons we can draw from his experience during the incredible tensions of that era and how American journalists today can navigate our turbulent times. I'm Viola Ganger at the National Press Club in Washington. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Update One, a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Committee. You can comment on this show or any episode of Update One by going to facebook.com slash pressclubdc or on Twitter at pressclubdc. Thanks for listening to Update One.